I want to turn with you in the back of your Psalter hymnal to Lord's Day 10 before we look at God's Word tonight. Lord's Day 10, it's in the back of the blue Psalter, and it reminds us of God's providence and what it means to us. It's on page 17 in the back there, and I'm going to ask you to read with me the answer to question 27. It talks about what the providence of God is, and then question 28 will answer that. What difference does it make? How does that knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? Let's answer question 27 together. What do you understand by the providence of God? Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which he upholds, as with his hand, heaven and earth and all creatures, and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things in fact come to us, not by chance, but from his fatherly hand. Then let's answer the question about what this means to us. How does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? We can be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well, and for the future, we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing will separate us from his love. All creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will, they can neither move nor be moved. What a beautiful answer that is, that nothing, we, we're confident nothing will separate us from his love. Even though we don't know what the future holds, nothing will separate us from God. And he gives us that ability to be patient when things go against us. Well, let's look at Genesis 37 tonight, and we're going to look at some verses there in the story of Joseph. And uh, it's in chapter 37, beginning to read at verse 25, and then we're going to read through to the end of the chapter, verses 25 through 36. And listen to what happens to Joseph, and try to put yourself into his position when these things are happening to him. His father had told him to go and find the brothers as they were out uh, far from the home, and so he went and found them. And then what happens is that they try to plot to kill him, decide to put him in a pit, and then look at what happens here in verse 25. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices and balm and myrrh and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judas said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let's not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and they sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes and he went back to his brothers and he said, the boy isn't there, where can I turn now? And then they got Joseph's robe and they slaughtered a goat and they dipped the robe in the blood and they took the ornate robe back to their father and they said, we found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. 
Jacob recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. And then Jacob tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth and he mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. And so his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. May God bless us as we look at his inspired and his infallible word here as he teaches us tonight. We're going to look at two things tonight. The first one is that sometime in our life we may feel, and I'm sure Joseph must have felt this in this passage, we may feel as if no one cares about me. Does anyone care about me and my situation in life? And that's something that, that comes to us, especially when we're going through a difficult situation in life. Sometimes we face something and we think, well, no one really cares. No one understands what I'm going through. And that may happen when uh, you have a loss in your life. Maybe you've lost somebody who's close to you. It was a year ago tomorrow that my twin brother died, and sometimes I think other people don't understand the closeness that twins have, and so they don't really understand that kind of a loss. It's different than anything else. But maybe you've had things in your life where you think, I don't think anybody really cares what I'm going through. Sometimes that happens when we're ill and when our body is full of pain and we're uh, facing maybe a procedure that we didn't have to face before, and uh, we hear that word that we have cancer, and and we feel like, well, who really, really cares about what I'm going through right now? It, it happens to us when things are difficult in our life, when times have changed. Some people have financial problems that are overwhelming, and people who don't have those problems don't understand what a person feels like when they're going through financial difficulties. Or the loss of a job. You have maybe never lost a job in your life. You've always had an income, and you hear about somebody else who's lost a job, and it's hard for you to really understand and to care. But tonight we're going to look at Joseph here, and he must have been hurting in such a way that he must have felt this, because truly on earth, there was no one that really showed care to him as he went through all the things that are in Genesis, beginning in chapter 37 here. And I want you to imagine what it was like when Joseph woke up the next morning after his brothers had sold him to these Ishmaelites. And he wakes up in the morning and, you know, for a moment he looks around and maybe he's in a tent there and the Ishmaelites are there and he looks up and he expects to see his father as he always did and instead there's this evil man and there's these evil men outside by a fire and they're waiting for him to wake up so that they can move on to Egypt to a strange place. And they might even kick him and say to him, get up and help us. And he doesn't understand a word that they're saying. They're Midianites, they're Ishmaelites, they're people that don't speak the same language. And so he's confused and that makes them angry at him. And imagine that instead of seeing your father whom you love, you see these people who have just bought you for 20 pieces of silver. Uh, we try to picture what happened here and then that isn't all, but, you know, his brothers didn't care about him. They're the ones, the Bible says his brothers hated him. 
It wasn't that they just disliked him. They probably were jealous of him because he had gotten this beautiful robe from his father. He was the son of Rachel, and they were sons of Leah, and they probably were jealous of him. But it was pure hatred, the Bible says. They hated Joseph. And so when he comes to find them, they first decide literally to kill him. That's what they want to do. And the Bible doesn't say that uh, they're just talking like this and saying, I wish we could kill him. They actually plot to kill him. But Judah says, let's not do that. Let's just put him in a pit. And then we'll see what we'll do. And so imagine that as you are Joseph, and imagine that every single one of your brothers is in on this plot to put you in that pit. First they had talked about killing you, now they put you in this pit, and you're trying to get out, but you can't. You can't get that high in the cistern that you're in. And imagine yelling at your brothers and asking them, please, Simeon, help me. Judah, Levi, somebody, get me out of here. I promise I'll never tell you about any of the dreams that I have again. Just let me out of here. I'll, I'll be quiet. I won't say a word. I'll, I'll, I'll try everything I can so that you won't be angry with me. But nobody listens to Joseph. Nobody cares literally on earth for him. And then imagine what it's like when he sees the rope coming down and he can climb his way out of the cistern. And as he gets to the ground, he looks around and he sees these strange men. And he sees that his brothers are accepting money. And now he's put in chains. He's a young man. He's only 17 years old when all these things happen to him. And at 17 years old, he is one who is being led away to a foreign country where he's never lived with a foreign language that he doesn't know. And he also probably was chained his legs as well as his arms because he could have moved much faster than these older men. And so there he is, probably following a cart and following some animals and walking, and he is going into slavery, which he doesn't even know what it's going to be like. Imagine what it was like for him. There's not one person on earth that's helping him. And you know, it's so interesting because in the story, we just read this in Genesis 37, that his brothers, they say, well, what are we going to say to our father now? We've sold him. We've gotten rid of him. We hate him so much. But what are we going to tell father? So one of them has the idea of taking an animal and killing it and putting the blood all over this coat. We call it the coat of many colors, this richly ornamented coat that was showing what a special place Joseph had in his father's heart. And they simply come home and present this and say, is this Joseph's coat? Well, of course it is. But then his father goes into this deep mourning. Nobody, nobody looks for Joseph anymore. You know, he probably thought as he was going with this caravan to Egypt, well, when my father hears about this, he's going to come and look for me. And he'll find me, even though my brothers don't care. My father does, and his father cared. But his father was told, it was implied that he was dead. So the Bible says that, that Jacob mourns and says, I will mourn until the day I die. But just think of all of this. They took him to Egypt, and then the Bible says that they sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, one of the officials 
of the Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. Now imagine what that was like for Joseph. Not one person in all the world showed any compassion to him at all. I mean, there are times in our life where we feel like people don't understand our situation or people don't care, but sometimes we feel that, but we know that there are always some people in our life that do care, even though they don't know sometimes how to show it and how we don't know how to accept that. But for poor Joseph at 17, and then I, I, I think of the rest of the story where not only is he a slave in this foreign country with a foreign language with nobody to help him with his worship of God or to, to tell him that things will be okay, that God is with him. Nobody's there for him. And then he's thrown into prison as he's accused of violating Potiphar's wife. And he spends years there in a horrible prison, a pit, a, a place that you can't imagine how horrible it is. A, a, and truly, he must have wondered, who cares? Does anyone on earth care what happens to me? And in a sense, his life went down, 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 down in the steps of pain. He was despised by his brothers like Jesus and forsaken by his brothers. He was a, a young man of sorrows, acquainted with such grief. We can't imagine what it was like for Joseph. Now, there's a man named Donald Siemens has, who has written a, a book, and it's called Healing for Damaged Emotions. And I've read that book several years ago, and it's fascinating. He said, you know, underneath the surface of our lives, he compared our lives to a big tree like the redwoods, the sequoia trees in, in uh, California. Those, years, those trees are hundreds of years old. Some of you may have seen those huge trees, the sequoias in California. But he said, you know what? When you look at one of those and they've sliced some of the ones that have fallen down, you see that inside, underneath the surface, under the bark that's on the outside on a tree, you know what there is? There are rings inside. And, and, and people study rings like that inside a tree, and they find that each ring still tells a story about that year in the tree's life. When there's been a fire, some experts can see that was in the third year of this, this, this uh, tree. If there's too much water and flooding, there's a different indication in the rings on the tree. If there's a time in which it has been damaged by some kind of insects or something else, every ring in a tree tells the story of some of the scars. It's like scars in the inside that tell the story of some of the things that have happened in the history of that tree. Well, in a sense, under the, the bark, the veneer of our lives, and for us who are here tonight, there are those things in our life that we look back on and we see that there are those rings of pain that come from times when we wonder, does anyone care about me? Sometimes we go through things in our families that no one else knows about, but we know. Sometimes we go through things in our own personal lives that we don't share with anyone else. And sometimes we think, well, no one understands. Does anyone care at all? The second thing that I want to tell you this, more, this evening, of course, is God cares. That's what the passages here in Genesis tell us. Because we've, through the whole 
the whole story about Joseph in Genesis 37, 38, 39, 40, till the end of the book of uh, Genesis, in these last chapters, and there are several chapters about the, the, the story of Joseph, the one thing it tells us constantly is God cares. Because the thread that comes through, and it's in chapter 38 and chapter 39, it says, and the Lord was with Joseph. And it says it again, when he was in Potiphar's wife, God blessed him, and the Lord was with Joseph. It doesn't mean that suddenly at that moment God changed everything in his life or everything started to go upward right away. No, it went farther and farther into painful times for Joseph. But he was never alone. God was always there for him. And the Bible shows us that God cares deeply for us as he loves us eternally. And as the Heidelberg Catechism says, that nothing will ever separate us from his love. God is the one who watches over us, even when we don't feel his presence always. And he's the one who always cares and is always watching over us. The Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord is with us. You know, Jesus is the one who told us in Matthew chapter 6, about how we don't need to worry about what's going to happen, and we don't need to worry that God isn't there. Listen to what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, and yet I tell you not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And then he goes on to say, do not worry, he says, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all the other things will be given to you as it will. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus reminds us that God cares for us, that we are not alone, that God provides for us, that even when in our life, those rings of our life, they're, they're there, those scars underneath, those times when we felt so alone, those times when maybe no one else in the world really understood, God does. I love that shortest verse in the Bible. You know what it is. It's in John chapter 11, verse 35. Two words, Jesus wept. Powerful words. Words that tell you so much more than thousands of other words can Jesus wept at the side of the grave of Lazarus. As he looked at Mary and Martha and all their grief, as he looked at these people who knew that Lazarus had been dead for four days in the grave, and as Jesus also knew that they weren't alone, God cares, he wept. It's interesting because, you know, Christianity is the only 
the only religion that teaches you that God cares so much that Jesus came down in human form. He's the son of God that became the son of man. And that he understands our grief. He was despised and rejected. He was acquainted with grief when he was on this earth. You know, the Muslims will say to you, that's impossible. That's why they don't believe in Jesus as the son of God. They say that's impossible for God, for Allah to come down to earth. That's blasphemy, they say. We, we can't believe in a God who would lower himself to earth. But the beauty of our Christian faith is that God cares so much. And he understands because we see it in Jesus. He became one of us. He humbled himself and he wept. He wept because of his deep concern for the grief of those that he loved so much. You know, there's three things that we know about God's care. First of all, he cares deeply. But secondly, it isn't just that he cares about us. God also comforts us. He comforts us in times when we feel as if no one else cares. The Bible says, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. He comforts us. He listens to our prayers. The Bible says he's near to the brokenhearted, and he is the one who saves the crushed in spirit. He has a special place in his heart when you feel that maybe no one else understands what you are going through. Now, that doesn't mean he always changes things immediately for us. Poor Joseph had to suffer for years before the day came when he could interpret the dreams of Pharaoh and he could become the second in the kingdom to save God's people through a time of famine. But God does comfort us. He takes the time to listen to us. He knows that we need to bring our prayers to him and he will hear and he will listen and he will answer and he whispers again and again to us, I love you, I love you, I love you and I'm there for you. And he will never leave us, the Bible says. He will never forsake us. Sometimes brothers and sisters forsake their brother and sister or they hate their brother and sister but God never does that to us. Sometimes people uh, separate themselves from us. God never does that. He cares, but he comforts us. He wraps his everlasting arms around us. But the third thing that God does is not only caring and not only comforting, but he also is the one that carries us in the times when we feel as if no one else cares. You know, he did that for Joseph. He was right there. The Bible says repeatedly, the Lord was with Joseph. And Joseph had learned from his father, Jacob, that God is our refuge and God is our strength. The Bible says in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength. And then it says, the God of Jacob is our refuge. And you think about his Jacob, his father, you think of how when Jacob was running for his life from Esau, Esau was coming with 400 men and Jacob was afraid that Esau would kill him for what Jacob had done. And so Jacob was lying there uh, trying to sleep, a stone for his pillow during the night. 
And all of a sudden, when he's all alone, when there's no one else there with Jacob, and he had left his family to be safe because he thought, well, if they kill me, at least they won't kill my family. And, and Joseph could remember this. This is one of the rings in his life. When his father was trying to get away from Esau, and then what happened? As he's lying there trying to sleep, Jacob sees a ladder to heaven. And interestingly, the Bible says there are angels on that ladder descending, coming from God, and ascending, bringing strength from God, and then also our prayers ascend to God. And then he heard the voice of God assuring him that God was there with him. And you know, Joseph always noticed something about his father. He walked with a limp. From that day on, he walked with a limp. And if you would ask Jacob, why are you limping, Jacob? Jacob would say, well, that night when I was there all by myself and I saw that ladder ascending and, de and the angels descending and ascending on that ladder and I heard the voice of God, I wrestled with the angel of God. I wrestled with God. And the Bible says that Jacob wrestled with God all that night and he would not let the angel of God go. And so the angel touched his side, his hip. And from that day on, every step that Jacob took was a reminder, a reminder because he could not walk without the limp, that he had to depend completely on God. He had to surrender himself totally to God. And Joseph saw that. He knew that. He knew that that was the reminder of how much we have to submit to God. And so Joseph, of course, learned these three things. God cares. God comforts us. And, you know, when he was alone in that prison, God was with him. When he was alone in this foreign land, God was with him. When he went through all these awful things with his brothers, God was with him. And then he knew that God can also carry us in our times when we need it the most. Some of you know that poem that's uh, Footprints in the Sand where it talks about a man who had this, this uh, uh, vision and he saw in the poem, it says, there were always two sets of footprints all through my life, Lord. One was mine and one was yours. But then he says, as I saw those two sets of footprints in, in my life, all through my life, I noticed that in the times when I needed you the most, Lord, there was only one set of footprints in the sand. And so in the poem it says, the man asked, why, when I needed you the most, did you leave me? And then the beautiful answer comes, my precious, precious child. In those times when you saw only one set of footprints in the sand of your life, I did not leave you, but I carried you through. And that's what God does for us. He carries us through. He brings us through. Yea, though I walk through the valley. He doesn't leave us in the valleys. But he says, I walk through the valley of the shadow. Uh, David says in Psalm 23, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou art with me. Now, for some of you, you look back at the rings in your life, of the things that have happened in your life, and for you, it's been a long journey. And none of us knows all the parts of that journey. And probably none of us can quite imagine the things that you've had to face when you felt 
nobody really understands. We cannot imagine what it's like for someone else. Some of you have had to say goodbye to people you love so much. Some of you have had to say goodbye to people who you never thought you'd have to say goodbye to. Some of you have had losses in your life that are indescribable in words. But you know, God never left you. God always cares. God always carries. And God always loves us in such a special way. For some of you, you had times in your life where the challenges of what's going on, it's far above what any strength you have in yourself at that time. But God brought you through. And you look back and you see there were things you never expected to face ever in your life. But God was there at your side. And he says, when you feel as if no one cares, I will not leave you. There's a poem that I have given to many people over the years, and it means so much to me, but it's based on Psalm 46, verse 1. And listen to what it says. It's called A Very Present Help. And here's what the poem says. Just a couple things in it. It says, God is helping me now this moment, though I may not see it or hear, perhaps by a friend far distant, perhaps by a stranger near, perhaps by a spoken message, perhaps by the printed word, in ways that I know and I know not, I have the help of the Lord. I like the way that says it. In ways that I know and I know not, I have the help of the Lord. And then I love this phrase. He's keeping me now, this moment, however I need it most, perhaps by a single angel, perhaps by a mighty host. In ways that I know and I know not, I have the help of the Lord. So you see, even when it looks like God has forsaken us, he may be helping you with a single angel or a mighty host. He may be helping you through the prayers of somebody distant or somebody close by. In ways that I know and I know not, I have the help of the Lord. And so deep within our hearts, as believers in the Lord, and as those who know what his word tells us about his care for us and his concern, as we look at Joseph tonight in his situation, we think of that, that, that song that we sometimes sing, Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Help me stand. I am tired. I am weak. I am worn. Through the storm and through the night, lead me on to the light. Precious Lord, take my hand. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, we continue to pray to you and ask you to do that, to take our hand, to lead us in the times when it's so difficult, in the times when we don't understand, in the times when we sometimes feel so alone in our situation. Lord, we thank you that you give us your assurance from your word that you do care and that you do comfort us and that you do care for those who are the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. Lord, we pray for those that uh, are around us today who are going through circumstances that we don't understand and we don't always know. But we thank you that each of us can bring our burdens to you and that you are the God who also will carry us through the most difficult times. We thank you for your assurance to us today. Bless us with a faith that trusts in you even when our circumstances look impossible. We know that nothing is impossible for you. We pray our prayer in Jesus' name, amen.